Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello there. Welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. I hope you're well. We're a week into the new season and, well, it could have been better. It could have been worse, so. Could have been a lot worse. All things considered, it could have been a lot worse. A draw away from home, not so bad. A win in the Champions League, not so bad at all. Clean sheet in the Champions League, pretty damn good. So from that point of view, things are good. The other side is that we don't seem to have any players left. That's the downside of things, just at this moment in time. If we're not selling them, we're not playing them because we're about to sell them, or we've already sold them, or they're injured. And um, it's all a bit concerning right at this moment in time, because tomorrow we play the Mug Smashers, and, you know... We've got quite a bit of history with the Monk Smashers, and they could well be a, a challenger. They probably will be, in fact, a challenger for the top four, if not necessarily the title. Not that I'm really including us in a challenge for the title at this moment in time, but certainly for the top four. So this is a big game, and we're going into it without Fabregas. Well, he's gone. Nasri, well, he's on his way. We've got no song, and we'll come to that in a moment. No Gervinho. No Karen Gibbs, no Juru, no Wilshire. Uh, who else have we got no any of? Carlos Vela, he's gone. Bouet's gone. Brass tacks, I think they say. We're right down to brass tacks. So it's all a bit um all a bit weird at this moment in time. On this week's Irishcast, I'll be chatting to Amy Lawrence about well the way things are. Just at the moment, and um, the state of the squad, and the team, and the summer, and the business that's been done, and the departure of Sesk, uh, and thoughts for the rest of the transfer window. Uh, the Mug Smasher will be along as well, seeing as we're playing them. It's traditional that he appears on the Arscast, so he'll appear on the Arscast. Uh, he'll be along a little bit later on, as well as that Arshavan will be here, Internet Joe, with his weekly roundup, and the usual bits and pieces and waffle that we go through on a normal Arscast. So between the last Arscast and this one, well, we started the season at uh, a Newcastle and probably should have won the game. Uh, and I think we lacked um, the creativity and the little bit of guile, the little bit of skill to open up Newcastle because, let's face it, Newcastle were a bit shit. I'm pretty much of the opinion that any team that deems it necessary or on purpose picks Stephen Taylor, I think that's a team that any other team in football should beat. And I'm not talking about Premier League teams. 
I reckon you could go down to conference teams. I reckon you could go down to the Northwestern Thalidomide Wheelchair League and you should expect to beat a team with Steven Taylor in it because he's just such a big, huge, monstrous, useless cunt that that spreads throughout the team. So it was a bit disappointing that we didn't have the wherewithal to beat Newcastle. And we had a couple of chances, nothing major. And then, of course, the main talking point was uh, the sending off when Gervinho made the most of some contact, but there was some contact, and uh, Barton picked him up, and the referee didn't see it, and Gervinho gave him a little bit of a slap in the side of the head, and Barton went down, let's face it, like a complete pansy. This tough, hard man, Joey Barton, snarling, aggressive brute, got a few fingers to the side of his head and lay down, and then had the temerity to accuse Gervinho of cheating. If doing what he did isn't cheating, well, I don't know what is. Disciplinary uh, procedures went into place. Gervinho gets a three-match ban. Barton gets a yellow card. And, of course, we lose Alex Song as well for three games because um, he stood on Barton, just stood on him, didn't, like, stamp or try and smash his leg open. He just kind of stood on him a bit, which is, is kind of pointless. If you're going to do that to somebody, at least hurt them. And if it's Joey Barton, at least hurt him. A lot. Like a really lot. Like millions. So he never walks again. That kind of thing. And you know, I don't really have a problem with Song stamping on Joey Barton, standing on Joey. It's stupid and he shouldn't do it. I don't really have a problem with him doing it if he, if he hates Joey Barton. You always come across players uh, when you play football that you hate and you wouldn't mind standing on. Or tripping up, or bashing into the into the uh, the cage. If you're playing in one of those enclosed, but you know that you want to do a little bit of damage to nothing too serious, of course. But you know, if that's the way you feel about it, somebody, do it. I'm sure I told you that uh, story before about this guy that when I was playing in Spain, he was like our arch nemesis and went mental and started punching people and calling everyone father muckers, father muckers, which was hilarious. He was a Spanish guy, of course, father mucker, but. He, at least, when he went mental, went properly mental and was punching people and he went uh, punched our captain in the side of the head and he wasn't even playing. He was standing there on the sideline with glasses on. So he went mad and punched... The whole lot. So if you're going to hate someone on the pitch, properly hate them. Don't stand on them knowing that there's 56 uh, television cameras watching you at all times. Don't stand on them. And then 10 minutes later... Hug them on the pitch. What are you doing? Why are you hugging people that you hate? And then at the end of the game, what are you hugging this guy for? Don't touch him. He's probably got scabies and lice and ew bits because he's... No. Don't touch him. If you're going to hate, hate. Properly hate. Don't get all aggressive and then go at the end of the game. <laughs> oh, I know it's different for professionals, but fuck that shit. Stop hugging wankers like Joey Barton. So Song misses three games. And frankly, he should get seven games. Three for standing on him and four for hugging him afterwards. For being a big fucking giant pussy. That's what I reckon. Anyway, wouldn't solve many of our problems, but it might teach him a lesson. So that was Newcastle. And then uh, Udinese in midweek. 1-0. Early goals settled everything down. Probably would have been a bit scary if it had got to 86 minutes. We scored four minutes from the end instead of four minutes 
And from the start of the game, uh, they were they were good and uh, a little bit dangerous at times. And there were very much some warning signs. Chesney had a very good game, made some good saves. But the way they were able to sort of get in behind and the way they were able to stretch us uh, very quickly, defensively, I thought was a little bit concerning. Um, and of course, all the injuries that took place. We lost Gibbs and Juro came on. Juro went off then after a couple of minutes. We've got a young guy, Jenkinson, uh, playing at left back, his first ever Champions League game. Frimpong comes on and you're bringing on Frimpong for Rosicki. And Rosicki, at least he's an experienced player. Um, and it's expecting rather a lot of these young guys. And we could muddle through, and I think we have muddled through in the last uh, couple of games. And it's encouraging, you know, no goals conceded, clean sheets, you know, not scoring too many, but there's time for that. So there are encouraging signs, but there are also signs that we'll get found out sooner or later by better opposition, and that's what's uh, really worrying. Nevertheless, we go into the return leg in Udinese in good shape, keeping a clean sheet more than anything, I think, was the most important thing. I think we could have got away with nil-nil once we didn't concede. So uh, we'll keep fingers crossed that we can do the business out there. And between now and that game, there might be some new arrivals to uh, make life a little bit easier. Anyway, with me in a couple of moments' time to talk about uh, everything else will be Amy Lawrence. But right now, here's Internet Joe. I'm Internet Joe, and here's me 30-second roundup. First game of the season, Newcastle away. Come on, let's make up for last year. Bit boring so far. Song, what are you doing? Don't stand on it. Barton, get your fucking hands out your menu, you mass murdering cunt. I'll rev you can't send him off. Nil nil, how Jesus knows it'll do. Says Barcelona. <laughs> now we've got a Champions League game against Udinese. What sort of a team have you got out at all? That's rubbish. A win, a clean sheet. I want to be more angry than I am. More from Internet Joe on next week's Arscast. Still to come, the Mug Smasher. We'll be chatting to him about, um... Well, the Mug Smashers, and also the Arsenal versus the Mug Smashers game, and his thoughts on both the squads going into the new season. As well as that, we'll have some Arsh having. But right now, I'm delighted to welcome to the Arscast for the first time this season, Amy Lawrence. Hi, Amy. Hi, Arsh. How are you doing? Uh, we're okay. We're all right. A little bit worried. Happy but... new season, huh? <laughs> and to you. We're all in this together at this point. Um let, let's look back very quickly to the very end of last season and all those painful memories. And there was an expectation, a belief that things this this summer would would be a little bit different. Um, the failings were obvious. What we needed to do to correct those failings was also reasonably obvious. Um, I think we all thought that players had to go and some new players had to come in. Would it be safe to say, Amy, that we're not necessarily in the shape right now that you would have hoped we'd be in uh, at the at the end of last season. That was definitely the, the politest way of summing up the situation <laughs> from anybody I've heard for quite a long time. Um, well done, I congratulate you for That's that. No problem. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think as you said, everybody knew what needed to be done, and I think that when, you know, at the end of last season, there was a lot of people discussing Arsene's position, uh, which in itself was obviously a new thing. Um, Given uh, his his history for the for the club, and for me, when ever people said to me, "Is it time for Arsene to go? Should he go? Should he stay? This, that, or the other?" My feeling was very much that Arsene deserves for sure another go, but with the caveat that this has to be a go with massive changes. You know, not not more of the same because mm-hmm. obviously the same wasn't working, um, and. 
I rather naively expected them to there to be, you know, a half decent attempt at a shake up this summer. And frankly, I think it's it's flabbergasting at, at how little shaking up has been done. And in fact, what shaking up has been done on the whole is uh, through the exit doors. Um, Everybody knew that the squad was was weak anyway. Uh, that was self-evident towards the end of last season. And the fact that at this stage of the game it's weaker is just um, unbelievable. Um, and it is weaker, you, isn't you it? The of, team and the squad is weaker. Well, it's weak. It's very simple. Um, uh, it, you, you look at the, the players who have gone or are about to go, and there's seven players who are all internationals, with the exception of Danielson, who are all with you know World Cup experience, uh, Champions League experience, all players that are in that mid-20s age range between sort of 22 and, and 28. And seven have gone out uh, in terms of, um, obviously, Cesc, Nasri, Eboué, Danielson, Vela, Clichy, and probably if you include Bentner. Um, and the only one who's incoming in the same-ish level of experience and age is Chavinho. And to weaken an already weakish squad by that level is unbelievable. Even Man United, having just won the title, um, and with the kind of experience that they've got, if they had lost seven of their reasonably experienced middle-age-ranking players and only brought in one in this close season, everybody would be very shocked and concerned for Manchester United. And the fact that it's happened to Arsenal from a position much weaker to start with than obviously the Man United squad was in is just very strange. And you have to wonder who is pulling the strings and what's the strategy? How is it possible that somebody, whether it's Arsenal or whether it's somebody else at the club, didn't sit down at the end of last season and say, now, right, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it. We need to do X, Y and Z and this is our approach. Because if they did that, then they sure of hell have failed. Mm. Well, if they didn't the do that, then you have to ask why they didn't. Is there a power vacuum where there is literally not an individual or a group of people at the club strong enough to turn around and put in a reasonable strategy in place? Because in my view, it looks like it couldn't have played this summer any worse. Mm. Well, we we hear all the time about how Arsene is the one who's in charge of football at the club, who's the one in charge well, I don't think of comings and goings. As that. I don't think it's as simple as that. I think there are, are members of staff at the club whose roles are, are to, A, identify players, which, um, although Arsene is the one that's always um, perceived in the media as the one who chooses players and, and so on, scouts players, actually it isn't. Um, the scouting system overseen by Steve Rowley is who pretty much makes the, de- the decisions, does the homework and gives the recommendations to Arsene. Mm. I- I'm not convinced that Arsene goes out scouting every minute of every day. Um, and then there's other members of the staff at the club whose job it is to negotiate and see through transfers. Arsene doesn't do that. Uh, so actually, in one, although I wouldn't say that Arsene has been um, without fault in terms of what's been going on. I think there are others there that really need to share some of the responsibility for what's going on. And I don't think they've stepped up to the plate either. Aren't aren't these all Arsene's people, though? Steve Rowley is Arsene's guy. He's, He's the scout that he put in place. Uh, the chief negotiator has been there for a good long time. We know that Ivan Gazidis is there, and this is yeah. a new thing. So maybe yeah. Ivan has to, to take some of this on board. But this is, you know, um, pretty much across the board, Arsene Wenger's Arsenal. So, Well, if that's the case, then, you know, look, if it's not working, mm. this is high-level business. Let's not muck around here. If it's not working, change it. If 
there are certain people who aren't really performing in their roles, change it. Mm. That's what would happen in, in any other industry. And that's probably what happens elsewhere in football. You see, you know, changes of scouts and assistants and coaching staff and people behind the scenes and transfer negotiators and so on at, at other clubs. But it, it just seems to me that, that it's difficult to see... If you put it this way, let's, let's rewind and go back to the last days of Highbury. Um, and in some ways, I think that I feel actually a bit sorry for Arsenal in the sense that when they sat down and decided that the way forward and the way to keep competing, um, and let's face it, from the minute Arsenal turned up and won the double in his first season, everybody had the flavour for it and loved it and wanted more, the decision was made that the only way to keep having more was to move stadium because of the limitations of Highbury. Mm. And all the projections that were made about moving were based on a, a world where there was no Roman Abramovich. There was obviously no Dubai group, in, uh, Abu Dhabi group in terms of Manchester City. Mm. There was no £200,000 a week footballer. There was no £80 million goodbye to Cristiano Ronaldo for, for Real Madrid, etc., etc. Now, the, 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 the football environment has absolutely changed through all recognition at top level, particularly since Arsenal sat down as a board and decided it was time to leave Highbury. And I think that the projections they made would have kept Arsenal competitive at top level had the environment stayed more or less the same as it was in, you know, late late, 80s, late 90s and the beginning of the 2000s. Um, but unfortunately, Arsenal have been scuppered a bit by the fact that the landscape is so different. And, they, and despite the move and despite the extra income, Arsenal can't compete. It, it's at that top level. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. Um, but when we look at what's happening this summer, for example, uh, Sesk aside and Nasri, I suppose, and we'll come back to Sesk in, in a little bit. But the players who have gone out are players that people said, OK, well, look, they've had their chances. They could do more or we could do better, perhaps, than Denilson. We could mm-hmm. upgrade on Clichy, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Bentner. I, I have time for Bentner. I know you do as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. he decided to Everywhere. Yeah, these are I'm guys who are fringe players. But, but, uh, okay. I'm delighted. Everybody's saying, great, let's have a shake-up. Let's get rid of those the deadwood. And, but it was on the basis of bringing in others. Because sure. if you, if you analyse last season and think about certain key games when there was key players missing in certain positions because of injuries and suspensions, which meant that the players that you didn't want to be playing were playing, um, there's, there's your answer. Mm. So I mean, it's all very well getting rid of the players that you didn't necessarily want to be playing, but then you have to have an option, an alternative. Sure, I mean, but what I was going to say was that, you know, when we look at what's been added to the first-team squad, mm-hmm. um, we've, we've added four teenagers. And this well, is quite. why I think that people will say that whatever plan is in place, you know, it, it looks like Arsene is sort of saying, well, look, this batch of young players has failed. I won't do things differently by bringing in experience, I'll just get a new batch of young players and sort of go back to the start again. Maybe that's unfair, but it's what it looks like. Okay, but if that's the case, then Arsenal could do themselves a really big favour by doing one thing, and that's by being honest. Mm. And I think that's another one of the problems that's happened in terms of the way the club is currently being run, where the PR is, let's face it... um, not exactly doing anybody any favours. And if Arsenal were honest enough to turn around and speak to the fans and say, listen, this is the deal. 
we, you know, what I was saying before, we, we, we aimed at being able to compete at top level when we did all our maths for moving. And unfortunately, the way things have gone, and, and then we've got to we've got to try something new now. So this is what we're doing, and bear with us. We're trying our best. We're doing everything we can. We're being as competitive as we can, and you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think that if there was that level of honesty, that the fans would come back and say, "Come on, this is Arsenal. You know, we're all in this together," and it be much more unified. Mm. But but because the PR is still presenting this this idea that it's all the the uh, uh, the creme de la creme. And the reality is not that. The fans feel like mugs, and that's why there's a lot of antagonism and, and, and bad feeling. Mm. So uh, that's something that I think would be helpful. If the situation is not not great, let's all know about it, mm. rather than pretend that, and then people don't understand what's going on. Well, look, look, for us all to sit here and yeah. say, why not buy money? Why, why didn't they spend the other buy all money? Well, maybe they couldn't, for reasons that we don't know about, because we're not party to the... You know all the finer details of mm. mathematics well, behind the scenes. Well, let's let's look at that then, because you know th- that's one uh, one angle, I suppose. But the other angle is that um, we know that Arsene has had money to spend. He's brought in some money. He spent, I don't know, maybe net five million pounds uh, this summer. He's got thirty six million pounds coming his way on top of what he already has. Thirty six million coming from the Sesk transfer. It looks like Nazri's going to go for twenty million pounds plus. The reality is that Arsene is sitting on, uh, to all intents and purposes, a 50, 60, 70 million pound transfer budget. We're into the middle of August. There's 13 days till the transfer window closes. And Arsenal are um, in poor shape when when you look at the squad. Well, this is it. And and I think that that's the other thing. We think about a strategy for the summer. And if somebody had sat down at the end of the final game of last season and said, right, this is what we do. Everybody knew roughly what you were going to get for Fabregas and what you were going to get for Nasri and what you were going to get for Clichy, which were the, if you like, the three major sales that I think they were anticipating. Yeah. Um, so it, it wouldn't have been such a terrible idea to speculate, to accumulate. If they knew more or less what was going to come in, OK, they might have been out by five or ten million, say, in their estimations of what materialises. It, it just seems that it would have been the right thing to do in every way in terms of the morale and the spirit getting new players integrated, being in a position of strength when you're buying. So it's done the buying first and then the sales happen when they happen and they've happened anyway. Mm. So it's a pity that they didn't have the foresight or the wherewithal or whatever it was necessary to see through some major purchasing before the major sales have, have come about. Mm. And I think, you know, you're left with a situation that obviously the pressure is massively on to buy players now, that quickly. Um, but there's the other, of course, factor is that if by some miracle Arsenal had been able to keep hold of Sesk or, this, or had gotten Asri to sign a new contract, um, then because of what went on anyway last season, it was necessary to strengthen regardless. Mm. So to think, oh, we sit and wait and see what happens with Fabregas and Nasri before we do our buying, 
was really somewhat naive. Mm, well, I mean, everybody, I, I think we all knew what was going to happen. I think we knew what was going to happen with Sesk. The information that everybody had and that was pretty much out in the public domain was that if Nasri had, hadn't uh, signed a new contract by the end of June, he was gone. They acted fairly quickly with Clichy and, and, and sent him on his way. So, I mean, is it a case that there was a plan and it's just been executed tremendously badly? Or are we flying by the seat of our pants here and just making it up as we go along? Good, hard to ask question. It is, I'm sorry. To... <laughs> <laughs> you, you know as much answer as, uh, as any of us, and mm. we can all speculate on that. But I think, again, that would be something that really needs to be established in order mm. to figure out where the club is going. Okay. Because if there was no plan and there was nobody there that was able to do that, then something needs to change badly. <laughs> and that doesn't, that's a kind of irrespective of who your manager is. Sure. Okay, well, let's talk about Cesc because uh, uh, he's gone to Barcelona, has uh, played his first game for them, picked up the Spanish equivalent of the Charity Shield. I don't count that as silverware yet. So um, he's going to have to work a bit harder to get the trophies he wants. But what, what did it say um, about the way things are at the club? Because we know that Cesc um, has real affection for Arsenal Football Club, was very proud to be captain. We know the respect and, uh, and everything that he, he feels towards Arsene Wenger, who gave him his chance, but nevertheless wanted out all the same. And he was very much the jewel in the crown of Arsene Wenger's um, modern team. Um, and it's a huge blow, reg- regardless of anything else, from, from a footballing point of view, Arsenal are going to struggle without Cesc. Yeah, I mean, uh, he. I think the first thing I'd quite like to say is that you look around and you read what's going on out there and what people are saying, and, and there's, as is the case these days in modern football, always plenty of criticism of anything that anybody ever does. Um, and I just think that people who uh, badmouth Cesc... Um, have maybe got it a little bit wrong and I, I, I can only speak from experience and while I obviously didn't know the guy properly I have been fortunate enough to speak to him on a few occasions um, and, and, and a more genuine, decent really, really properly nice bloke you, c- you couldn't really find in football at the moment um, he was not someone who didn't care about being captain or didn't care about Arsenal or didn't care about this, that and the other. He was really um, one of the good guys and anyone who tries to portray him as otherwise and says he's greedy or he's this or he, he's, you know, didn't, was disloyal or anything like that, I don't think it's being entirely fair. I think he gave everything uh, while he was at Arsenal and right from the beginning he was totally, you only need to think back and compare. At the time when he arrived, Arsenal had just broken their then transfer record for Jose Antonio Reyes. Uh, who was a similar-ish age, a little bit older, Mm. coming over from Spain. um, And we all know what happened there. Reyes never really even tried that hard for all sorts of different reasons. It was a bit more difficult with his background to to really integrate, to make himself an Arsenal player or or a player that could really work in English football. Cesc Fabregas, from the minute he turned up as a teenager, did everything to integrate... um, and to get involved with the club and was incredibly proud. Uh, and I think, you know, he might have been a, 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 always looked out for Barca in the way that probably loads of players do all over the world when they grew up supporting X or Y. But uh, I, think his, I think he was fantastic for Arsenal in every way, not just as a, as a, um, as a player. 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But as a, as a symbol as well, I think he'll be missed from that point of view. And it's a shame, really, because, you know, uh, certainly there was an opportunity for him to lift a, a trophy um, as Arsenal captain, no more so than last season, I suppose, mm. in the Carling Cup, even though he didn't play. And uh, it was, I think, quite uh, interesting to say that the biggest regret, I mean, he's already talking about the, the biggest mm. regret he'll ever have in his career is uh, is not lifting a, a trophy for Arsenal. Nasri's a, a different situation. Obviously, um, he's had his head turned by huge money at Manchester City. And again, this sort of brings us back to the, the situation that Arsenal are in at the moment. We know that it's going to be impossible to compete with Manchester City in terms of money that they can offer, in terms of what they can offer a player, signing on fees and how they can treat them and pamper them and spoil them like footballers need to be pampered and spoiled. We know that. But it, it, it's you've got to at least try and compete in a way, don't you? And, and that, again, is maybe where Arsenal have been lacking this summer. Well, I think, you know, the, the Nazi situation, as you say, it's... it's with a year left on his contract, it, I think there was almost no, you know, it was a no-brainer, really. There was no chance. And I think when you say Arsenal have got to try, I think they tried what they could do and then they realised it was absolutely pointless to keep trying um, because they were never going to get anywhere near to the, the Manchester City situation. Um, but I think it's a bit related to, to, to Cesc as well, where the way to have kept to keep players like that, in a way, is by creating a happy place a positive place, a competitive place. Um, you know, create the environment where they really feel that they're going to win stuff. Let's not pretend that for all the financial incentives for leaving, I mean, it, there is a professional aspect as well. And anybody would probably say you're likelier to win things at Manchester City than, than Arsenal at the moment, looking at the strength of the two squads. Mm. Um, <laughs> it looks like, I know they only played Swansea in their opening games, it's not exactly the best barometer but it didn't half look like a fun place to be if you're a Man City fan or player or you know it's it's a place on the up it feels like like it's all happening there and at the moment at Arsenal it, it sort of feels a bit the other way and mm. it, it, if Cesc for the people that said oh you know Cesc let Arsenal down that's rubbish Arsenal let Cesc down because they should have built a team around him um, and they missed that opportunity. And it's the stuff, as you've pointed out yourself, by not nearly bringing in Jabby Alonso and then not quite. And, 
I think we're really serious about stuff. They might have looked at a new goalkeeper before the four or five years it took of Almunia until finally, thankfully, Chesney came to the fore. Mm. Um, but <laughs> there were so many areas that were just... It looked like Arsenal thought, oh, we'll, we'll just muddle through for a bit while Sesk was, was there playing at the top of, of, of his game. And the, there was that feeling with Arsenal over the last few years that each summer, forget this one, but the ones previously, you've always thought, oh, Arsenal, just two or three more players. It never felt like Arsenal were a million miles away. Mm. Beginning to feel a bit like it, that. Well, maybe. It? Maybe that's what's different now. But certainly in, in recent seasons, in the, the, most of the five to six years without a trophy the summer's always like oh you know could just sign a another centre back or a commanding <laughs> or whatever it might be or uh, there's a two or three big players them could really go for it yeah. and that's never happened no um, and in a way also missed the chance to create a really good competitive uplifting environment which goes some way to make to m- making the decision not all about money mm. as well. I think that's a fair point. Let's let's look if we can uh, before we finish at, at maybe some of the good things uh, that are happening at the club because uh, it's it's easy to wallow and and you know that's fine and I'm I'm happy with a good wallow. But let's <laughs> let's look at some of the good things you this mentioned. Well, really, at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Chesney. He's definitely mm. one of them. Um, you know, I, I still heard people talking. Well, Arsenal need to sign a goalkeeper. And for me, if we if we had gone four years with Almunia as number one and not signed a goalkeeper, to sign one now when when Chesney is coming to the fore would have just been perverse in the extreme. Yeah, but I'd still sign a goalkeeper. But the reason I'd sign a goalkeeper is because Manuel Almunia still has the number one shirt. So, you know, it's quite important to just avoid any possibility that he might somehow actually have to use it. Um, that would be my reason for signing a goalkeeper. Mm. Nothing to do with, I mean, I think on the upshot, um, Wojciech is, is, he's the man, you know, he's, somebody said to me uh, the other day, if you, you know, what what would you rather, forgetting about the money, but the the £50,000 that Arsenal spent to bring in Wojciech Chesney or the £23 million that Man United spent to bring in David De Gea or however you, you know how to pronounce it. Yeah. it oh, okay, thank you. Um, but that's, you know, that's uh, been an, an impeccable sort of deal yeah. from Arsenal's point of view. Um, he, he looks like, at the moment, he looks like easily the, the better and more, more confident and um, assured goalkeeper, I think, obviously time will tell with Man United and they probably don't make that many such expensive mistakes but I'm not suggesting it's a mistake at all but it's taken a while but Chesney looks ready now and you almost think that what he really needs is a a really well-drilled organised brilliant defence in front of him and then Arsenal could go back to looking like a a resilient outfit again Mm. Um, and Sort of the old, in the old days, as, as used to be a, a big big source of pride for Arsenal. Mm, um, obviously, the there's, a, there's encouragement as regards for Marlon and Koscielny, um and Sanya. A, a few would would argue that you'd want anybody else. Uh, left back is an issue, and obviously, from the second that Clichy was sold, it would have made sense to try and bring in another left back, maybe who is experienced. And then the other, the final piece of the jigsaw, if you like, in terms of sorting out, well, the, the the back is, apart from the fact you expect them all to maybe be really well-drilled and organised, but maybe mm. that's asking for the moon at the moment. Um, but but 
I, I think another area which would have been fantastic for Arsenal to deal with um, is getting another defensive midfield player. Obviously, you're coming up to three incredibly important matches at this stage of the season, and Alex Song's going to be missing for Liverpool and Man United games. And your alternative is a is a teenager who, again, looks like a real positive in Phnom Pong, and we're all excited to see if he can develop um, in the way that you'd hope. But it's a big ask for him. And uh, mm. I, I think an, an alternative to Song stroke a, a player that you might use alongside him occasionally when you're going away from home and you might want to play two defensive midfield players would have been a good acquisition to have mm. also. All right, final, final <laughs> yeah. question. Let's, let's, uh, we've got 13 days to the end of the transfer window. You know, people are worried. Um, they're worried because we, this feels like familiar territory where we'll get to the 30th and the 31st and RSM will be talking about super quality players and how he only wants to bring in players that are better than the ones he has, etc., etc. Is it possible for Arsene Wenger to get to the end of the transfer window with the money that he's going to have available to him through the sales uh, and given the, the fact that those sales will weaken the squad as much as they, uh, they have already and will do, uh, can he, he has to spend, doesn't he? It's it's impossible to see that, that this squad has a chance of competing without being strengthened. So I think... Um, as you keep writing, the, 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 the money doesn't go out there with a number on the back of their shirts <laughs> and try and kick footballs. So um, if that money remains unspent, uh, it's so illogical, given the state of the squad, that you'd really have to question whether the current um, state of affairs at the club can be sustained. All right, Amy, fingers crossed between now and the end of August he goes out and spends that money and we, yeah, we find absolutely. ourselves in better shape and we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you again as the season goes on. Let's hope so. Thank you very much indeed to Amy Lawrence. We'll chat with her as the season goes on and you will find her in the Observer and, of course, on the Guardian football website. Now, before we uh, discuss matters mug-smashing with the mug-smasher, here's Arshavin. Hello, I am Arshavin Indu. It's not a very good time at the moment at Arsenal because uh, many players uh, have uh, have left club. Fabregas is a fantastic player and has gone now to Barcelona. Nesri look like he go to Man City. He can uh, play Caesar game with uh, Clichy. He's gone. Denilson, he gone too, but uh, I don't mind this. Also, uh, some player called uh, Villa Vola. I don't know, I see his name on the website, but uh, I have never seen in uh, real life. And also, uh, this week, has gone uh, a boy. Has uh, made life at training ground uh, very difficult because uh, a boy is, uh, you know, a big joker, always laugh, but also uh, has left the Abbey in terrible uh, situation. We are trying uh, to train and to work on set piece, and the Abbey is crying and uh, singing at training ground at lunch, the Abbey. Can't leave if living is without a boy. Can't leave.
केंद्रगी वेनी मोर शतब दिए भी ऐसे बट दिए भी डोंट लिसन सो आई हैव टोल्ड एजेंट टू मेक अनदर क्लब फॉर मी एंड ही फाइंड बिग बिग क्लब And I meet with them, and they say, "Andre, we want you to play. We have a great plan for you. You are going to be centerpiece of attack, and we cannot wait to see you run up pitch, and run back pitch, and run up pitch, and run back pitch, and run up pitch, and run back pitch. Always running, running to score goal." I love Arsenal. I say uh, I cannot leave now. All right, with the Mug Smashers coming up this weekend, there could only be one guest for this part of the show, and that would be any member of the Anfield '89 team. But uh, of course, that wasn't going to happen. So we'll have to make do with the Mug Smasher. Hello, Mug Smasher. Hello, everybody. Uh, how has your summer been? My summer has been mediocre. Yeah, like the weather. I, yeah, mostly based on the weather mm. and all the work you have to do yeah. just to survive. Life is tough. It really is. Yeah. What What about Liverpool's uh, summer from a purchasing players' point of view? I know that we might have, perhaps over the course of the summer, raised an eyebrow together at spending twenty million pounds on Stuart Downing. Um, Stuart Downing, I wouldn't be so worried about because I think he will uh, create chances and, and and assists, and I think he might be effective. Jordan Henderson, I'd have a problem with. Yeah, an actual problem. Uh, yeah, well, a problem with spending that much money on him because I don't really remember him ever doing anything notable hmm. in a, in a football match. He was another twenty million guy, wasn't he? I think it, I think it was sixteen. It depends who you believe, I suppose. Do you believe Steve Bruce or Kenny Dalglish? Uh, Kenny Dalglish. Yeah, always. And who else? Who else did you buy? We bought Charlie Adam. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't like his teeth. His <laughs> teeth are. They're, they're just wrong. For a guy with that much money, your teeth shouldn't be that bad. Um, it's not something I think about too often, to be honest. Maybe it would affect him, you know, uh, aerodynamically, like Samson's hair. Are they that bad? They're just a bit wonky. I don't know what it is necessarily about them, but I just, I look at somebody who's earning 20, 30, 40,000 uh, pounds a week and think you really shouldn't have teeth like a 17-year-old Jack Russell. Um, uh, maybe his priorities lay elsewhere. They could well do. Lay or lie? Lie, indeed. Um, but back to his football. Yeah. He's a bit slow, isn't he? He is. Um, he looked all right at the weekend, but he seemed to run out of steam. He's the guy, uh, the, our old friend, the Lord of the Wing, uh, referred to as the Monster Munch guy. <laughs> this is why he wasn't getting picked for Rangers back in the day, because he just liked to eat Monster Munch. Oh, right. Yeah. No, he doesn't, he doesn't appear to be out of shape. I just don't think he has a whole lot of pace. Uh, which could be all right. He's going to sit uh, deep and, and spread the ball, so mm. to speak. Um, but yeah, he looked noticeably slower than everybody else on the pitch. So that could be a problem. I know, I know that feeling. Yeah, <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> what about a uh, left back? You bought a left back and he's a guy that Arsenal were linked with, uh, Jose Enrique. Yeah, he's another one. I don't ever remember him being uh, outstanding for Newcastle in the last few seasons. But the way... Uh, the press were reporting the, the transfer. He must be better than I've noticed. Maybe. Yeah. Watch him next time. And I'm, I'm people will, or you might think I've got some sort of obsession with footballers' mouths. But <laughs> but watch him being interviewed. He's got the exact same mouth as Manuel Almunia. And that could be an actually scary thing for, for Liverpool. 
if if mouths are reflective of footballing ability, that is. Uh, uh, I'm not really sure that they are, and I don't think I know what El Nuno's mouth looks like, to be honest. It's exactly the same as Jose Enrique's. Well, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we discussed this. <laughs> All I right. T- I tend not to listen to them speak or watch their interviews or anything other than the match itself. Mm, I think that's probably wise. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, analysis these days, isn't there? Every tiny little thing is is taken apart and put back together with bits missing. And Yeah, and taken apart in a really bad way, I think. So I just ignore it. Yeah. Yeah, Sky is just terrible. But we've been down this road before. We certainly have. Let's um, let's touch on something because uh, back in January, uh, Liverpool lost you know what everyone regarded as their best player, Fernando Torres, uh, to Chelsea, and circumstances of the transfer um, were very different to that of Cesc Fabregas, who Arsenal have lost this week. He's gone uh, back to Barcelona, but it would I think it would be fair to say that Liverpool have very much made the the best of losing Torres, um. Do you see something similar happening? Or I don't know if you agree with that, by the way. You're looking at me. but uh, I'm, wa- I'm waiting for your question. Do you think Arsenal can do the same? I think Arsenal should do the same, but who knows if they will. Mm. I mean, the pain, and it was genuine pain, I felt anyway, when, when Fernando left. Uh, I, I love that guy. But anyway, uh, it, it went away really quickly because we bought Suarez, who's really exciting, and I know Andy Carroll is... Uh, yet to be proven and I don't think he'll ever prove to be worth 36 million but mm. the two signings really did uh, make everything a bit better so yeah, yeah I think I think he should act fast I think he should have done it months ago uh, and and the most uh, pertinent point or, or lesson we learned from Torres was, was Dalglish's thing uh, if he doesn't want to be here then he should just go mm. uh, and that should have been the same with Fabregas I think mm. and we have that situation of course with with Samir Nasri now as well yeah yeah I know, maybe not quite the same, he's only there a couple of years and it probably stings a bit more to see Fabregas leave, even though it's been inevitable. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a bad summer for Arsenal and having watched two of your games so far, I'd be very concerned. The squad looks a little bit light, doesn't it? In terms of, you know, when you look when you look back at some Arsenal teams from the not-too-distant past and you compare them to what the Arsenal team was, for example, against Udinese or what the team might be, uh, against Liverpool this weekend, we'll touch on that in a few moments' time. It, it it's quite different. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's hard to see. There's just not that much quality, especially in the middle of the park. I don't see anyone creating. When Wilshere comes back, obviously that will get better. But Ramsey, as good as he is, looks a little bit ordinary without somebody else beside him. Mm. The last couple of games, uh, it can't be it can't be easy playing beside Riziki at the moment because <laughs> I don't know what what you've done to him. Well, I don't think we did anything to him. I think he sort of nearly broke in two and nearly had to retire because of uh, because of the injury that he had right but he he really i mean i was i was excited by that signing i have to say because we let Perez go and rosicki came in and everyone went wow that's not bad yeah, 6 million yeah. pounds for rosicki he's an established international and then was it not the summer of the world cup and he went and he scored a brilliant goal in the world cup against the usa i think from about 35 yards and everyone was going that's right yes yeah. <laughs> and then well it's been disappointing you would have yeah, to say. it really has. I mean, he's he's gone from being an amazing Dortmund player to, uh, I don't know, a nothing player for Arsenal, really. Mm. He just never contributes. So, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're all aware of, of where your problems are. Something needs to happen or it's just going to be a horrible season. Yeah, I mean, from an outsider's point uh, of you looking in and completely, um, you know, without any prejudice or anything like that, your honest assessment of this 
current Arsenal team, given where we are now, not where we might be when Arsene Wenger perhaps spends a few quid. But at, at this moment in time, where I, do you see it? I think you're a bit fucked. Just a bit or <laughs> quite considerably? Or? Oh, I don't know. I mean, uh, like scrapping for sixth. Mm. That's what it looks like. Um, now, you, it, it's well within you to just go on a run and beat everyone in sight. Uh, if the team clicks, but th- there looks to be a lack of confidence and a, a lack of cohesion as well. So mm. I don't know whether that will happen. No, me neither. No, it's pretty grim times for you. Tis all right, tis all right. But we've all been there, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you're sort of on the way back up now. We'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far just yet. Yeah. What do you th- do? You think um, this season will be uh, more of a test for Kenny Dalglish because he came in obviously on the back of uh, the Roy Hodgson thing, and poor Roy didn't get any any love at all, really, from uh, from the Liverpool fans. It just wasn't a, a marriage made in anything close to heaven. From the very start, there was just this, no, thing yeah. going on, wasn't there? It wasn't wasn't particularly nice. But, yeah. you know, so th- any any guy coming in after that was probably going to get this wave of, of goodwill. Uh, and maybe this season will be more of a test for Dalglish. Well, I mean, the goodwill will always be there because of who he is. But... Uh... There was definitely he, he definitely uh, he he gathered or he, the team gained momentum under him last season and went on a brilliant run. Uh, I don't know whether they can do that again this year. Mm. I'm not 100 percent convinced by anyone he's bought really. Yeah. I, like Downing looks like he could be all right. Adam maybe, but I don't know. Uh. Suarez it looks amazing again. Um, but yeah, it's just it's hard to see what way it's going to go. Uh, I I don't think we'll make Champions League spots. I think we'll uh, we'll make UEFA. UEFA Cup. Right. And what's your general thoughts now on, uh, on let's say, what's happening in Man City? It's um, They've got an amazing squad. Really amazing. And they can play some decent football. Uh, they've got loads of money and you can complain about that. And we probably should, but that's just the way football is now. So it's not going to do any good complaining. It's pretty obscene. It is. But what a squad. Mm. It and is. If, if they can... The most disappointing thing about them last season was how, how weak and unadventurous they were against the other big teams. Uh, so if they can pull off a few wins against the big teams, they could they could win this league. They certainly they have the talent in the squad, don't yeah, they? Really good. And I don't think Arsenal can actually complain for one second about Manchester City's money, seeing as we are uh, quite determined to take great chunks of it off them. <laughs> when you look at the players that have uh, that have gone through the system, Toure, Adibayor, Clichy, uh, Nasri's going to go now. You know, yeah. that's 10, 20, well, no, 40, 50 million pounds. Yeah. So I guess it's a win-win for, and it's not just for City, but the league is making out mm. because of their money as well. But it's definitely a little bit skewed. Mm. Um, where, where do you see it? What If you were to make a prediction now, the top four, what would it be? Um, well, United and City, I think, will be fighting out for, for first. I don't think Chelsea will win. So Chelsea in third. I've already given Arsenal sixth and Liverpool fifth, so who <laughs> the fuck is going to get fourth? QPR. Come on, QPR. Swansea. Yeah, I don't know. I don't see Spurs doing it, so, yeah. Maybe it's Arsenal-Liverpool fight for fourth. That's kind of what I'm thinking yeah. at the moment, I have to say. And any other hopes for the season? Uh, I just hope it's not all over by November again. Right. Uh, I'd like to be interested in football <laughs> for longer than two months this yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. I just bought a, a, a year-long subscription to Sky Sports, so I'd like to enjoy the the football for yeah. longer. And um, John Terry, would you like uh, which month would you like to see him die? Uh, no, I don't feel the same way about John Terry as you. But wh- wh- why? What's wrong with you? I don't know. Who who is your most hated player? 
Um, I don't. I don't uh, after last season, I, I became completely uh, uninterested in football. It was that bad. <laughs> so I've yet to uh, hate anyone again that right. strongly. Okay. I don't hate anyone just yet. You're chilling out with the peace and the love. And I am a bit, yeah. yeah. At I one know. with the universe. It's my new zen approach to life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, prediction then for uh, this Saturday? Uh, 6-0, Liverpool. 6-0? Yeah. You reckon? Yeah, yeah. All Brilliant. Right. Okay. Suarez, double hat-trick. And uh, you? Uh, me, I think I'm going to go with 1-1. 1-1? One, 1-1. One. One, one. One, one. Where is it? It's in, it's in the Grove. Ah. I don't see. It's a shame you're not coming because, you know, when you come, we generally win yeah. this game. Sorry, so you I, should come. I'm sorry, I can't make it. Oh, no. Um, other commitments. I, I, yeah, I don't see Arsenal winning it, but I, I don't see us losing either. Yeah, maybe not at home. Yeah. 4 0. 4 0. All right, Mug Smasher, um, we'll talk to you later in the season. All the best and um, yeah, enjoy. may the hate grow inside you as the season goes on. I hope so. All right. Cheers. Good day. That was the Mug Smasher. I, I did try and convince him to come to the game, but unfortunately, he decided that running around mountains and canoeing and cycling and running some more and doing some more long-distance running and going up another mountain and coming down a mountain, work, he thought that would be better than going to see Arsenal beat Liverpool, but I don't know. I tried anyway. It's his birthday this weekend too. It's going to be a very sad birthday indeed when Arsenal beat Liverpool. Uh, that's really about it. Because it's gone on quite long now, and um, I don't have any team news. I think what we already know, we know. Like, loads of them are suspended, uh, loads of them are injured, and we're going to be picking from bare-bones territory. But we've still got enough up front, if you think about it. We've got Walcott, Arshavin, Van Persie. I mean, that's all right. By any standards, that's okay. We could we could get some goals. It's whether or not we can keep them out and, and do enough in midfield to win the game. I'm confident. I'm over uh, for the game. So see some of you in the uh, the usual place for a beer beforehand and a quick beer or two afterwards before uh, I head back. Uh, so uh, let's uh, hope for a good result this weekend. Um, so until next week's Arscast, have yourselves a fantastic one. See you for a beer if I see you. Not until next time. And on next week's Arscast, cheers. Bye-bye. suitcase number one underpant a boy like snug but airy feeling around crotch number two tiger suit number three top item in a boy suitcase pictures of Arsene Wenger doing bad thing got a boy 200 game for Arsenal Never know when coming useful again. I go now. Tune in.
in next week for more At Home with a Bue. Oh, baby. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.